Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger, joined as always by my lovely buddy, Matt Basinger. Aw, thanks. We are in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode is brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC, a bank whose mission is to empower you to thrive. They call it the the Emprise Way. (laughs) Today we have a very special guest, Jason Drummond, the CEO of Down Syndrome Innovations. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, guys. Jason, let's dive right in. First and foremost, this is a new name, Down Syndrome Innovations. Uh, most folks in Kansas City know your company as? The Down Syndrome Guild. Yep. And so let's just start. What do you do? So that's a great question. We do a lot of things. But uh, the heartbeat of our mission is to serve people with Down Syndrome on, across the lifespan. So we deal with um, infants and prenatal diagnosis all the way to end of life. So it's a, it's a really special mission, and we're just... Um, Proud to, to serve Kansas City in that manner. And and how long have you all existed in Kansas City? We're 37 years old in June. Okay. Any big plans for the birthday? We we do. Uh, pending some of the restrictions being lifted, we have a big birthday party coming up uh, June. I think it's 17th, Saturday in June. And uh, we're going to invite the community in to our mission and obviously invite the people that we serve. And, and we hope over time this grows to be uh, a citywide, a mission citywide event, uh, so we can develop the community that we have aspirations. So to. listeners are invited. To Everybody's the invited. Party. Yeah, we we're gonna do cake. A, Yeah, we're gonna do a five k uh, before the event, and then um, uh, to our new facility that we are having the grand opening that day. Awesome. Matt uh, just rode a hundred mile. Well, technically, Matt just rode a ninety nine mile <laughs> bike ride, and he carried his bike for the last mile. It so, was uphill. It was hard. And that five k, maybe Matt will uh, crawl the last. Yeah, uh, tell, little bit. Tell me about you. Like how I'm just not even acknowledging you talking about this. You just did. Thank you. Why? Uh, why the name change? Like what? So what is different, or how, how have you clarified your goals as far as what you all as an organization are trying to accomplish with the new name? Yeah. So we've been um, we've been on this journey for thirty seven years, and uh, we have. A lot of equity in the name. You know, we were the the only organization whose sole mission is to serve people with Down syndrome, and so we struggled with this for a little bit of time. But ultimately, uh, we wanted a name to reflect the, where we thought we were going uh, and where we needed to go to serve our families the, the very best. And so we had been on this journey for the last twelve months or so. Um, wanted to reintroduce ourselves to our community mm-hmm. and then also create the social contract within our name uh, about what people who we serve should expect from us. And sure. so we settled on innovations because um, our families should expect us to be on the front edge of things, should expect us to fail. Uh, and when we fail, we fail forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's been a really cool exercise. We we did all the things that you do in a rebrand. We did focus groups and uh, surveys and those kind of things had an outside uh, outfit help us with um, kind of thinking through some of these things. And ultimately, this is where we settled on. And we just did this over the last few days and announced it publicly. And uh, fortunately, the early returns are, are, are favorable. So let's sort of think about the way that you all are structured. Mm-hmm. Sort of explain what the, what do you, I mean, what's the term you prefer? Foundation, organization, company? What do you kind of like to think of yourselves as? Uh, you know, we're an organization. You know, uh, the heartbeat of our um, the heartbeat of our founding is that of uh, a community group, and so when we start throwing business terms in those, it kind of starts to lose in our things. We're we're a nonprofit organization in Kansas City, and uh, we stay true to our mission. We have stayed true to our mission for 37 years, 
Uh, we run it like a business because you have to in these days. Uh, but ultimately, we're an agency uh, that serves the greater good. Talking about, it's been around for 37 years. You have not been with this group for 37 years. How did you get into this role? Like, what, what, one, what drew you to the mission, but also what's your background that landed you into, into working, um, you know, and in, in yeah. innovating um, here in Kansas City? Well, I can't hold a job, so I bounce <laughs> around. Um, so uh, what, you know, I, I've been in higher ed for basically my entire career, mm-hmm. and um and I travel all the time, and ultimately I wasn't doing my job at home. And so I was looking for somewhere I didn't have to travel, didn't know anything about Down syndrome, uh, frankly speaking. And uh, But I knew I wanted to do something in Kansas City that's my hometown. I wanted to be fully accountable for an organization to see if I could do it. And I wanted to be able to serve a lifespan of people. Didn't know what that what that community looked like, but I wanted to be able to serve the entire so we didn't have to, you know, serve a, a spot in life and then pass them on to another organization. And I wanted to have the, the board uh, be fully autonomous in decision-making. So we didn't salute the flag to a, a group in D.C. or New York or something like that. It was this board could do anything and everything that they wanted to serve our mission the very best. Fortunately, that was this organization. I didn't know it at the time, mm-hmm. so I went through the process. And, um, you know, they found me at the bottom of a long list, and here I am three years later. So so what does the organization look like from a structure standpoint? I mean, taking care of people from prenatal all the way up to end of life, mm-hmm. what does that entail? Is it, I mean, what does the facility look like? What do you guys do out of your facility that mm-hmm. is actually in people's homes? Sort of how does that look? Yeah, so gr- great question. So we just put together this brand new facility and where is it by the way mission kansas Mm -hmm. uh dearborn and johnson drive basically and so what what we do is provide therapeutic services that's that's kind of our heartbeat and then we provide a lot of complimentary services uh to really help reshape and help parents imagine what a life of their child could be regardless of age so we have some parents who have children who are in their 50s and 60s and some parents who don't yet have children because they had a prenatal diagnosis. Sure. And so, you know, we serve that entire audience a lot of different things. But our our really sweet spot is our, our mission can really focus in on the needs that they have. You know, when you go to school, the school has a mission, mm-hmm. and that's to provide public school free and appropriate education, um, not prepare you for independent living or employment or things of that nature. Um, hospitals have a mission. They do this on the medical side. And so we're a niche that's kind of right in between because what we believe that uh, people with Down syndrome are capable of is much more than what we see today. And so uh, we imagine a day where 100% of our age-eligible people that we serve are employed. Today that number is going to be inside of 10%. Wow. Um, and we talk in, in terms of employment, uh, not jobs, but careers, something that's skills-based, talent-based, and we build from that. I wanted to be um, George Brett growing up. Talent got in the way, so I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> he wasn't as talented as you are? Well, you know, don't want to say that publicly, but, um, but talent got in the way, I couldn't do it. So somebody along the way altered kind of my, um, my path and um, – and, 
a lot of times those conversations don't happen with the community that we serve and we want to have those conversations and we want to get community partners engaged and how people that we serve with down syndrome can be really integral parts of the communities and the workforce and, and, and all the different associated things. So we oftentimes ask how is business, which is I think somewhat an appropriate question here, right? But, but like we're working in a nonprofit, balancing business goals with also the funding that is available to do those things. I think what I'm really trying to say is like, what is a win for your organization, both today, this week, this yeah. month, the next five years? Like what is the clarified goal of what you personally are trying to achieve? Let me piggyback on that a little bit as well. How is your funding broken out? Yeah. And you know what is your ideal funding structure for how you guys can operate at full capacity? And then okay. let's hit on that. So sort of my memory's thing. not that long. You have to remind me of the second Come question. On. But just so, go with Andy's. It's so better anyway. 95 percent of our <laughs> uh, funding comes through philanthropy. Our ideal would be about sixty forty through. We'd have service revenue. So five percent comes through service revenue. Um, and over time, we would like that to be 40% of a, a growing budget. So the more resources that we invest, obviously the budget grows. And we've uh, been fortunate to invest a lot in talent. Uh, we have a therapeutic staff that's amazing. And the work that they do is just you know incredible stuff. And so we've been an early and often investor in Down syndrome. And the community has stepped forward and, and philanthropic, philanthropically supported that. Um, now, as everybody knows, you know, COVID took a, a chunk out of uh, a lot of companies. We, we were one of those companies. Um, and so we've had to be really smart with our money, really smart with our investments. And uh, we will continue and always will continue because it's part of our mission to invest in people. And so we've had to delay some things over the course of time. But our ideal funding streams would be much more diversified than they are today. 95.5, not diversified. When we go through a downturn that's more prolonged than the one that we did, uh, that's going to be that's going to sting a little bit unless we're prepared for that. So that's what we're trying to do. Define service revenue. So it's um, when the the families that we serve provide um, they enroll in services that we provide and and then compensate for those services. Got it. So. Um Kind of backtrack to the question I was I was kind of getting at, but uh, so what is there's a million ways I can imagine or making it not being in your shoes, but there are lots of ways and lots of needs of the community that you serve. Like how do you pick and choose of like okay we're really going to focus on taking care of these folks, or is it just you know people come with a need and you say yeah well we're going to figure out how to how to help you through this? Yeah, both Matt. Really, the the answer to that is both. What we're finding we. We just really started um, um, our in-depth therapy program within the last 18 months. And what we're finding over that is the more we get engaged with family members, the more individualized it is, and the more diversity exists mm. within the base uh, of, of our community. And so we try to do both. We have some principled people who understand uh, they've built their career on providing therapy. And then we're also trying to uh, engage the new frontier mm -hmm. in uh, what really is possible. And we talk all the time around our, our office about we have an obligation to families we serve to push the outer limits of what is possible. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we're out on the front edge of things that yeah. we know that it's fraught with failure. I mean, that road is uh, completely 
pothole after pothole that we're going to step in. But every time we do that, we have to learn from it, react to it, move forward. Yeah. Because that's what our families should expect from us, and that's what they deserve from us. So COVID took a mm-hmm. bite out of the funding pool, more or less. When you talk about that 95% that you would like to drop it down to 60%, what are the real ways that you get to that 95%? Do you guys have annual galas, fundraisers? Is it just people and families that do consistent donations? How do you really get to that number, whatever that dollar amount ends up being? Yeah, it's a, so this is a, a really new phenomenon for me in my career. I've worked with large organizations, and every year you know, you have some budget cuts and those kind of things, but you're not really worried about the base. So literally every January 1, we start at zero and then build up our support mm. and then spend what we are able to raise and then start back over. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting deal. Um, we have three large events uh, that we do that generate probably 60% of our overall uh, philanthropy. So 60% of that 95% come in those three things. And then we have um, some grant funding that we uh, have just really started over the last couple of years that we're having success with. And then we have, you know, community members that just kind of step up and yeah. a little bit here, a little bit there. And that even, you know, equals up to our what, what we have to uh, invest that year. Having worked in non- the nonprofit space, education space for quite some time, you know, there are far more nonprofits now than there were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So there's this whole kind of marketing thing of, of having folks understand what it is you do and why you have such a, a great need. Um, what is it like just to balance that? Okay, this is, there's the educational piece of we need to be in the community to make sure folks know that there's this huge need, as well as we also want to make sure that we're spending every dollar that we possibly can on serving the folks who we are actually serving. How do you as a CEO balance that? That's a tough, it's tough. You know, my philosophy is invest in people. You know, the people that we have to serve the people that we serve and then the people that we serve. And so we've made a commitment over the last couple of years to really invest in the talent of our staff because the journey for most of our families is fraught with turnover and, and you know, um, their special ed teacher goes to a different school sure. or their para goes to a different class or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we didn't want to be a part of that journey. We wanted yeah. to provide stability. So the therapist that saw you at three years old is also the one that you're dealing with at 18 years old. Sure. And to do that, you have to invest. And robots don't can't do what we do. And so um, that robots can do what I can do, but you know, <laughs> our staff, they can't do what they can do. Um, and so we've made a commitment from the board on, on uh, through me to really invest in people and give them a great place to work. And we serve a beautiful mission. It's fun to be there, but Every now and again, you have to have a great place to work so people run in the door. And then they run out to go have this full life outside. And we're really big on that. Yeah. You know? Awesome. I love that. We, we could keep talking, I, I'm sure, for hours about what you do and the stories of how you provide the community. But this is Let Me Be Brief, so we're not going to do that. Aside from work, aside from, like, getting married or having a kid, completely tangential, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? So... I don't know, five years ago or so, I used to travel to India quite frequently. And I got to, I, w- I was in Mumbai, India, and I walked out the front gates of our hotel and uh, I got a rickshaw. And I didn't really, I forgot to get the card. 
uh, from the hotel so I could give to the rickshaw uh, driver so he could get me back. <laughs> so I took a tour of Mumbai for three or four hours on a rickshaw, and it was amazing. I mean, in, in Mumbai, I don't know if you guys have been there or heard about it, but, but the, the income disparity is enormous. Sure. Very wealthy and, you know, really, really impoverished. And we toured all over the place. I toured all over the place in the back of a rickshaw. By yourself? By myself. Had no uh, communicative interaction with my driver. I just, you know, twirled my hand and said, go. And he just took me all over the place. Uh, Part of the time we were lost because I couldn't articulate how to get back to. Sure. Um, But it was the most fascinating experience uh, just because you see – it's an attack on your senses. You know, there's cool things to see, interesting smells to smell, uh, a lot of noise going on. And, it's, it, you know, it's a, it, I would go back there. I don't know if I'd do that with my family, <laughs> but I would I would uh, go back there. It's, it was really cool. So, um, Well, Jason, thank, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your organization, sharing about your life, and sharing time with us today. And thank you to Emprise Bank as well for making this all happen. And Wish you continued success coming up on the 37th birthday and look forward to maybe even sharing a piece of cake with you then. All there right. too. Thanks, guys. 